That's Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Oh, I love a Friday. I mean, who doesn't love a Friday? Friday is a feeling more than a day. You it know is. What I mean, it is. Oh, it's a vibe. It is. Even even the fact that I had to drive through ridiculous traffic today. Oh, did you? There was a barbecue on the highway, um, and so I had to get by that. Mm. And then the whole stretch, the whole stretch of the final five or six miles was just crawl. Stop. Crawl. Stop. Mm. I walked in at 154. I walked into the building eight minutes ago. I ran into a little bit. It took me eight minutes instead of seven oh. to get here today. Oh, what a rough day yeah. for you. I don't know what it was. There was like a little smoke on the highway. I don't know where. It, I don't even know the source of it. There was just. Probably the barbecue that I saw. No, but it was like very concentrated. It was like in like a, there was like a 10 foot plume of smoke. And then it was clear after that. I don't know. It was the strangest thing. But I saw you, that too. You couldn't I know exactly see. It was, what you're it was talking actually, about. it might have been like right outside our building. But yes, on 160 exactly. here. And, and it was, and then it was like gone. Like a brown of very concentrated yeah, brown see, so you had to pump the brakes but then you got right through it and on your way there one minute gone the next yep. jj is back today hey. he's behind the glass with simone with you up until six o'clock as always on this friday and yesterday rami we broke the news of sasha vizankov an injury that he uh had just fallen into frankly uh, while playing for Olympiacos yesterday. And, you know, it, it looked like a serious injury. We did not go too far with it. We didn't want to speculate because that would be irresponsible of us. And if anybody knows anything about this show, it is our responsibility level that we carry with the program. And so uh, we didn't want to go too far with it. All we told you was, look, he twisted up his knee. He was carried off the floor through the uh, player's tunnel, and he was getting an MRI. Well, we got some positive news. It is not an MCL. It's not an ACL. It's was it none a funky, of that. floppy knee? Because that's where you had diagnosed it. Yeah, I mean, I still think it was a funky flop. Okay. But as we talked about yesterday, that's a little bit rare. We don't we don't have a lot of knowledge. Not a lot of those. Not yeah. a lot of education yeah. behind the funky flop. For sure. And what we found out today is that the funky flop might not be devastating. Hmm. Given the circumstances. We're still learning about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're, we're gaining intel yes. as we go, Rami, is yes. what we're doing. Uh, so here is the uh, story from Eurohoops.net. Vizankov had an MRI. It revealed the bone edema on the posterior surface of the medial tibial condyle of the right knee. Hate it when that happens. No idea what the hell that means. I hate it when that happens. I can tell you, though, that the worst case scenario has been avoided, and it remains to be seen if Vizankov will be able to return to action in time for the rest of the series that he's in the middle of. However, uh, Game 3 is on Sunday. His participation in the contest is highly doubtful, Rami. But, I mean, the fact that it's even – it's even the, highly doubtful leaves a, a, like a sliver of possibility. Yes. Yes. If, he's, if he has a possibility to play in three days, even the sliver of possibility, you would think an entire offseason. But I, I talked about this yesterday. I don't even know if that's a thing in European basketball or European sports, an offseason, because I thought their season was over when they played the EuroLeague championship two weeks ago. Apparently not. Apparently there's another championship to go and play in. But you would think if the offseason is a thing, that an offseason would be enough. And as we talked about yesterday, I think he's plan A for the Kings or part of plan A for the Kings in terms of who they'd like to add to this roster in the offseason. And if 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 he's ava- maybe available in three days, I would think it's it's not serious enough that he's not still part of Plan A for the Kings at this point. 
Couple of things I thought of when I saw this. Number one, you do wonder, and I know TCG yesterday in the YouTube chat, youtube.com, Sacktown Sports 1140, give us that thumbs up. I know TCG talked about, you know, the idea of this might make it more likely that Vizankov would come overseas and join the Kings. I do wonder with, with this scare, because that's all it is, it was a scare. With this scare, does it mean that Vizankov is closer to being a King right now? Then maybe he was going back a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago. Because if, if you're Vizankov, you're looking at this and saying, man, I, that could have been really bad. And if it was really bad, I maybe knows? dodged a bullet here. Yeah. And, and before who I got the big, the big money over in the NBA. And if I wasn't able to dodge that, who knows what would have happened, right? I mean, uh, who knows about my future in the NBA? How does that impact things? So that has to be part of his thinking. Meanwhile, for the Kings, Rami, they have zero say in this, like the handling of this injury. The doctor's not looking at him, obviously. He is not a part of this Kings roster or franchise. So they have no say and they have no power over the situation. Mm -hmm. They have to trust and cross their fingers that what is happening across seas with his knee is what should be happening. And it's not any kind of reckless behavior or misdiagnosis, so to speak, involving him. And that's the issue because – if if he is a member of the Kings playing an overseas tournament, whatever he's doing, they could fly him here, have their doctors look at him, run the tests, and then talk to him personally. I'm sure they have somebody that's kind of a a middleman or middle a woman helping, yeah, yeah, helping this out. But still, they they have they have no control over how this is handled with Vizankov. Yeah, and and that's that's the 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 unknown is always scary, Nick. But I would assume, especially with a guy who's as valuable as Vizankov is. I mean, he's more valuable to Team Olympiacos. I got that right, right? Team Olympiacos. He's more valuable to Team Olympiacos in the EuroLeague than he is to the Kings or the NBA. I would assume that they would be cautious in their handling of him and their handling of their their best athletes is, is not all that different from the handling of our best athletes here where... Those guys are always going to want to play, even if there's even if there's risk involved. If they can walk out there, they want to play. That's what that's why they're as good at what they do as they are. But the teams are the ones, and the doctors are the ones that sometimes got to rein those guys in and let them know mm, maybe maybe not the best idea. Maybe you sit this one out, both for our future if you're part of that, and your future moving forward as far as what kind of re-injury or further injury you could suffer because because you go out there and play. I wouldn't be too worried about that, but you never know. It's the unknown, and the unknown, like I said, is always scary. That's why I don't go in the ocean. People get eight. You know what I mean? Really? No. Yeah, people get eight. That that took ocean. a turn. Yeah, that I wasn't quite ready for. But <laughs> we 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 landed in that spot somehow, some way. So if you're if you're the Kings, I'm looking at this, and and I do have a little bit more urgency though. I, I because I if I'm the organization. And I'm as interested as we think they are in Vizankov. Sending a doctor over there. Like, want, hey, we could help. You guys want some help? We could help. We, we know this great doctor. We'll send him right over. Like, I want this guy to be a part of my franchise ASAP. Because, you know, if he's if he's not, who knows what can happen. Again, you just would like some control over the situation. So you wonder if the urgency that has already been shown by the franchise. You've already sent everybody else over there. You might as well send a doctor. Yeah, so, I, I mean, it, it would make a lot of sense for the Kings to want to get this done maybe with even more urgency than they had a week ago, two weeks ago, and say, all right, let's get this done. Let's get this guy here. Let's check him out, run him through the physical, and, and we can feel good about 
what's going to happen during the offseason in our next step. And so I, I would think that the organization wants to have that urgency, and, and I would hope that Vizankov also wants to have that urgency now That's because good. maybe his – you know, it's it's not a dramatic thing. Again, it's not a significant or catastrophic injury. But if he does feel like he just dodged a bullet, he could look at this and say, okay, thankfully I got through that, no big deal. But if I want to go to the NBA and I want to be a king, maybe, you know, haggling and going back and forth with this negotiation over money, maybe it's not the end of the world. I should just get this done. I hadn't considered that. That's a good point. That maybe this this nudges him in the direction of the Kings a little bit. Put this this scare that was put into him yesterday nudges him in the direction of the Kings a little bit and the security that would come with it if if the next injury he's not so lucky. You know what the next time he has the funky flop He's not so lucky that that he's 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 okay to go in in a week or two. You know what I mean? Right. Hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. Every right. once in a while, you every you know once in I a mean? while, every now and then, I got a good one. Every you once in a while, just pull one out. All right. Your thoughts on uh, Vazankov dodging a bullet, and uh, whether or not you believe this brings a little bit more urgency to the situation on each side? I think it does. Nine one six three three nine eleven forty is the text line. The phone number is one eight hundred nine two zero eleven forty. Don't forget, you can check us out youtube.com, Sacktown Sports eleven forty. When you swing by, give us that thumbs up. Simone's in there chatting with you throughout the show. Other listeners are chatting throughout the show. It's a good time. Sacktown Sports. I feel like my chair is low today. Is it? Can you see on the YouTube channel? Do I look low? I feel like I'm a little bit lower. Hmm. Sacktown Sports eleven forty at youtube.com. We'll get to your reaction. Also, could the 49ers shock the football world before the season kicks off? We'll have the latest in 90 seconds. Cattles and Robbie. Cattles and Robbie. Sacktown Sports. When this beat kicks in, I'm all about it. You're going to finally dance? No. Mm. Oh, this is Here we go. It's that boom, 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 boom. It's old school beat. hear that in like a thousand songs oh for sure that bass yes, absolutely fantastic this is better by the way i raised my chair up during the break i see that yeah you are uh i'm up here now phil jackson like now you're <laughs> high above me in the studio <laughs> i like to give the appearance that i'm tall yeah you're not a very tall person i'm not neither am i no but I can look like it on YouTube. Apparently, I don't care about that because I am uh, I'm low today. You're yeah, you're low, way, low. You're way down there. <laughs> what are you doing all the way down there? I don't know, man. <laughs> I was just like, whatever. Feels good. Feels good. Uh, let's jump to some football. So, obviously, we've been talking about the Niners quarterback situation. Lots of attention being uh, paid to the quarterback room. We've got Brock Purdy's recovery, which by all reports is going well. He's on track. Brock Purdy. And uh, we'll see if that continues to be the case. Uh, we also have Trey Lance and, and all the talk about Lance's improvement. And if you listen to the show yesterday, we had Emil Fragoso in studio with us. And he talked about Trey Lance and he was waxing poetic about Lance's mechanics. And, and he's a believer. He believes that these new mechanics from Trey Lance could possibly he's change the, the world. one either. Yeah, there's been people breaking mm-hmm. it down, man. Breaking yeah. it down on Twitter, videos, slow-mo replays of him throwing the football. My amateur a t-shirt eye, and shorts. My amateur eye does notice a difference. I, I, I must admit, it's a little tighter, a little more compact. Here's what I'll say about the mechanics thing. We heard that last year. 
And when the season started, we didn't see much change. You're about to be the Grinch again? When you have a pass rush. Whoville, here he comes. When we have a pass rush Uh that's coming after you, it's a little bit different, right? Because when when you're trying to redo your mechanics, if you're not worried about somebody breathing down your neck, you could focus on your mechanics. But it has to become natural. It has to be a situation where, like, no matter what the circumstance is, he's going to fall into the correct mechanics. So until I see him play an actual football game, I'm not going to be doing cartwheels over Trey Lance's mechanics. I'm not there yet. But there's a lot of people saying he's improved. George Kittle this week said that he's seen significant improvement from him. And, of course, we have the Sam Darnold hype. I mean, if you've been listening to some of this... It's like the hype train is rolling on into the station. And uh, he is... Who's uh, the conductor today? Sam Donald is the next Tom Brady, if you listen to some people. I mean, this guy is just out of nowhere after being totally mid well, I mean, throughout his NFL career. Kyle Shanahan, molding. Yes. You know what I mean? As we speak, molding. Molding. Sam Donald. Working on the mold. And to Joe Montana. Yes. Maybe. And then we have Brandon Allen. We haven't talked a lot about him. And uh, I think that's for good reason. But before we move forward with what we're going to talk about here, let's first hear from Greg Papa, who uh, popped up on KNVR this week talking about Allen and Trey Lance. If Brandon Allen is as impressive as they think he is, would the 49ers be open to trading Trey Lance at some point this offseason that Trey has improved? Do you have to wait a little while? Would you do that more before the deadline? Would you do it at all? The way quarterbacks get hurt around here, you got to be careful because you wind up playing three just about every year except yeah. for the Super Bowl year of 2019. So is Brandon Allen, is that the kind of guy you want to cut? And now that you're going to a third QB, emergency QB, you know, if Trey's not one of your top two, then you can't run the Bison personnel package where he comes in to run mm-hmm. like he did, you know, at the end of the first half in the home opener of his rookie year against Green Bay. Only time he could come into the game. If he's QB3 behind Brock and Sam Darnold, then he's not up on game day. And unless it's an emergency, then you can't run Bison personnel with him. Brandon Allen. Could Brandon Allen make Trey Lance tradable? Mike check. Mike check, sir. Okay, my first reaction to this was I, I literally, I LOL'd. Like loud, <laughs> <laughs> like that kind, like that yeah, kind of bellow. like a good hearty yes, belly laugh. Yes, nice. And then I remembered I did the same thing when people were talking about Brock Purdy this way last year, right, right around this time. You know, this Purdy kid, he can sling it. There, there's something there, and we were all going, okay. Sure there is. You know what I mean? Myself included. Yeah, I, I just chalked it up as like. You know, downtime in the NFL calendar, you you get coaches with microphones in front of their face, and there isn't a ton to talk about other than the guy who happened to be throwing the football out on the practice field that day, and somebody asks him about Brock Purdy, and what's he going to say? He was mystery relevant for a reason? No, Kyle Shanahan was never going to say that, even if that were the truth. So I didn't buy what he was selling or what anybody else was selling when it came to Brock Purdy, and then he made a fool out of me. I still tend to think this is this is a bit out there. Um, great quarterbacks aren't just waiting to be discovered somewhere more times than not. There's a quarterback-starved league, and if they're there to be unearthed, they're usually unearthed because teams are desperate. But, I mean, is it out of the realm of possibility that Brandon Allen ends up having to play for the 49ers and 
doing a decent job, if not better? No, it's not. Brock Purdy just showed us it's not. He this this could happen. It's this is in this is in the realm of possibility. Is it not? Is it a crazy idea? No, I mean in the world of sports, you know, I, I say it. You have to leave at least a sliver of possible in almost every conversation because we've seen a lot of things happen in sports that just, you know, defy explanation, including Miami Heat and the run that they're on right now in the NBA Finals, right? Just them getting to the finals and how they've gotten there, that that almost, you know, is not even quantifiable how, how they can do that. So you have to leave the sliver of optimism or, or possibility with almost anything, but I, w- I would pump the brakes. I mean, first of all, we, we don't know who Brock Purdy is yet. Again, he could end up being the same exact guy he was during the seven-game sample size last season, and he could end up being a average, slightly above average, maybe even better NFL quarterback. Or we could see the reality of why he was Mr. Irrelevant, and he falls back to earth this year when he comes back from this injury. We don't know just yet, but I'd pump the brakes. Because first, the idea of, you know, hey, man, if, if he's as good, if he's as good as the Niners think he is, I don't care. Because the Niners, they historically pump their quarterbacks, right? We've talked about that. They always pump their quarterbacks. They hype all their quarterbacks. They've hyped Sam Donald. They've hyped Trey Lance. They've hyped Brock Purdy. They hyped Jimmy Garoppolo. You get the point. If Josh Johnson was on the roster last year, they would have hyped him too. Like, they're going to find ways to hype their quarterbacks. So just because the Niners are talking very well about Brandon Allen doesn't necessarily mean that Brandon Allen is really good. This could just be the Niners mean, being the Niners. It doesn't mean he's not. Again, we could leave the sliver of, of possibility. Also, let's not get this thing twisted. If it's close, let's say theoretically this was close, this competition between Brennan Allen and Trey Lance. You have to. You have to include the investment. The investment that you you know put into Trey Lance versus the investment that you put into Brandon Allen. What I mean by that is the Niners are going to give every single solitary chance for Trey Lance to prove that he is a potential QB1 in this league. Because if he doesn't prove that, then it is massive egg on their face. Even if Brock Purdy works out, you still gave up those picks that you gave up for Lance for nothing. So they're going to give Lance every opportunity because they have their reputation and credibility on the line about Trey Lance. So we can't forget that. And this idea of trading Lance, from all we've heard, Rami, he's got almost no value in the league right yeah, now. Yeah, if they could trade Trey Lance, it would it would have very little to do with Brandon yes. Allen. He would he 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 would have been traded precisely if there was enough value out there for him. They'd I, be selling as I said this the other day, Nick. They'd be selling as low as they could sell on Trey Lance right now, and I don't I don't see the value or the the reasoning in that. It's uh it, it's it's something that we can't forget. You know, over the off season, we heard that. It was the worst kept secret that Lance was on the block. And it's rather obvious if it was, uh, you know, the worst kept secret and he didn't get traded, the obvious answer would be because nobody was willing to give up enough to get Trey Lance. So I agree with that, Rami. Like if if Trey Lance, you know, gets traded, he he was going to get traded before Brennan Allen was even on this team. Right. It has nothing to do with Brennan. He was already on the block. Like, it is what it is. It's been spoken. We know it. It's been reported by several people that that's what the case was. So, I just, I don't believe in this whole, oh, Brandon Allen's going to open eyes and 49ers close told us they never, never considered trading Trey Lance, though. So they wouldn't lie to us. Oh, no. 
They never lie. They've never lied. Completely transparent NFL and honest. Teams never lie. Never. No. Never. I believe everything they say. Every single solitary word that is uttered by an NFL team, I believe it. Totally believe I buy into it all the time. For sure. Uh, by the way, I want to remind you that uh, all guests come to you from the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda is your one-stop Honda shop. Is the NBA ready for business with Saudi money? I feel the vibe JJ is putting out there right now. He just wants us to sing. God. So uh, Dwayne Baker makes a good point. Which is? In the YouTube chat, youtube.com, Sacktown Sports 1140. Uh, if Shanahan is a quarterback whisperer, why do the Niners always seem to be looking for their next quarterback? Lying. I mean, He's fair. Fair. Oof, it's hard. It's a fair take. Because they can cycle through them and it doesn't matter who it is. So they don't have to go big money or long term commitment with anybody because just give him a ball of clay and Kyle Shanahan will mold it. Mm. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what that ball of clay is. Are there different kinds of clay for me to use in this analogy? I don't know if there are. I'm not a clay expert. I will say, you know, though, like as far Adobe as... Adobe versus a gray clay? This is a very random Rami day. I could tell from the crossover. So I don't know where we're going for the next uh, three and a half hours, but I'm just here for the ride. I'm going to Google different types of clay. You do that. All right. Uh, one could push back and, and counter the point made by uh, Dwayne and say, well, look, I mean, the, the Jimmy G thing was injury, and you know maybe they would have stood by Jimmy G, if it wasn't for the injuries and all that stuff, you could counter that Trey Lance was an injury thing as well, that they thought Lance had all the potential in the world, but then he pretty much burned his first couple of years in the NFL because he wasn't healthy. So there's a little bit of pushback and, and a little bit of uh, you know defense that, that Kyle Shanahan could use, but I, I do think it's an interesting point overall from Dwayne. So whether it's an earthenware clay or a stoneware clay or a ball clay or a porcelain, it doesn't matter. Okay. Kyle Shanahan will mold it into quarterback greatness. That's what he does. At least Talk according about to Rami. Me or Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> <laughs> Which one deal would he always do? Uh, and what Rami has done is made it very, very difficult to segue to what we're going to talk about now. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. My bad. See, Rami's like the what's right in front of me kind of guy. Yes. Not necessarily Very what much. we might be doing I've, in. I've a told few you minutes. before, meditation trains my brain to be in the moment. I can't help it. I'm just locked into the moment, okay. that moment. All right, well, lock into this moment because we have to make a drastic turn. Let's and go. It's going to be a weird segue. Next so, moment. Let's go. Uh, PGA, Live Golf, their merger. It's still news, and I- I've talked about Rami the idea that uh, you know this could open the door for other leagues to take Saudi money. Right? We- we've seen certain companies and certain leagues take money already from them, but this would open the door, especially here in the United States for the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, all of those you know entities, the NHL, all of those pro sports leagues to dip their toe into the Saudi money because once the PGA does, it's almost like opening Pandora's box and allowing mm-hmm. everybody else. They're right? going, how's the water? Is it warm? How's that? How's how's that Saudi money? Is it is it, does does it does do the cash? Did the checks cash? They're looking around and they're seeing what's the reaction from mm-hmm. the media, what's the reaction from fans, and not just in the moment. Because as I said earlier this week, a lot of people are upset 
about what happened with the PGA and Live Golf, but in due time, most of those people, if not all of them, will be watching the PGA during the next yeah. you know, major. Yeah. They'll, they'll be watching. And that's what uh, Jay Monahan said. He's like, look, this isn't about how people are reacting to it today. It's how people are going to enjoy the game of golf in the future. And he was basically just saying, you'll be back. You might be upset right now, but you'll be back. They know it. And and if that indeed is the case, Nick, then you can bet other leagues are going to look at that and go, hmm, that money's green too. Those checks cash too. Why yeah. not? Yep. So uh, Adam Silver was on with Dan Patrick this week, and, and Dan did a great job asking Silver about the NBA, possibly taking Saudi money, getting involved, and here's what the commissioner had to say. And I, I hear what people are saying about Saudi Arabia. On the other hand, and this is for you know good and bad, that when the Saudis invest in sports, it gets outsized attention. Now, I don't want to complain about that because we want to get outsized attention. On the other hand, somebody could go down the list there. They are investors in some of our largest American corporations. Um, some of the most well-known brands have investments from them. And I also think it's a, it's a two-edged sword. I, I hear the comments about sport washing. On the other hand, um, you're talking about it. Others are talking about it. It's not as if some errant golfer can say one thing about his reaction to Saudi Arabia investing in golf, and that's left at that. I think people are pretty sophisticated. And the same way um, the World Cup, the football World Cup, soccer World Cup, brought enormous attention to Qatar, I think people learn about these countries, learn about what's happening in the world in in ways they otherwise wouldn't. So I think the media does its job. Um, but, But at the end of the day, I also think, and now talking specifically about the NBA, where we're such a global sport, I, it, I think people are a little too dismissive these days about the benefits that come from the commonality around sports, that with a sport like basketball, our, our finals are distributed virtually everywhere in the world. The, the sport is played everywhere in the world. It's an opportunity to bring people together. I mean, look at we're talking about, you know. You're- Let me translate. <laughs> we're open for business. Yes. That's exactly what he said there. If Saudi money comes across the table, you know, man, the, we're open for business. He gave three spins on why it's not a bad thing right there. He, he did. Gave, he gave three different spins. And the first and the third one I've heard before. The first one is, well, everybody's doing it. Look how many other big companies in America are taking Saudi money. And the third one is, hey, guys, sports brings us together. Maybe, maybe we should get in business with, with, with the Saudis despite human rights violations because – Maybe it, maybe they'll change it's because sports brings us together. The middle one, man, the middle one, that is, oh, that's new. And that's, I, that's that he basically said, look, when we get in bed with these with with these governments or these businesses that are literally committing human rights violations, what we're doing, I mean, yeah, we're making money and they're making money, but we're also bringing attention to those human rights violations. Yeah. People talk about it right. when we get in business with, with, with these with these shady characters. People talk about it. That That's, man, That you got to be real, real arrogant to think you're going to sell that off. On, on me and, and a lot of people out there where we're going to be like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. Well, then they'll change their ways. Well, let's get this straight. Adam Silver's not making the decision, okay? Like that, we know that. Sure. Um, that does not excuse the answer he gave, but he's not going to make the decision. The owners are going to make the decision. Just like if the NFL took money, it's gonna, not going to be Roger Goodell who's making that decision unilaterally. It is the 32 owners in the league that make the decision. 
And the commissioner's job is to take the bullets for the owners. That's what they do. They are the shield of the ownership groups. So that's the first thing. So if Silver knows that the ownership groups would be taking money from the Saudis and have no issue with it, then he has to tap dance around it like he just did. Because if he comes out strongly against it, he's either going to get fired or look like an idiot. So he, he almost has to do what he did there in a certain way. I find it interesting where, you know, his point is almost, hey, it's the media's responsibility to hold uh, these these other, you know, foreign nations accountable for what they do. And the media is doing a great job shining a light to these things as if like the NBA and these other leagues could not hold Saudi accountable by not taking the money in the first place. It's kind of a really weird right. game he's playing with yeah. that. And and the the other takeaway that you didn't mention, Rami, is just like – to me, he makes it sound like, oh, there's no such thing as bad PR. We've heard that, right? There's, oh, there's no such thing as bad publicity. There's no, uh, publicity is publicity. And, you know, these leagues taking this money, you see it. I mean, it's, it, it brings them outsized attention. Like, nobody, if you are bothered by this relationship between the Saudis and other leagues, those people that are bothered by that, they don't care about the outsized attention. They don't care about the publicity that you're getting from these deals. Yeah, they'd rather you not fill their pockets with more money and let them invest in these very profitable sports leagues. And the the bring-together thing. And let them – this is a new term. I just heard it for the first time a couple days ago. Sports wash. You know what I mean? Like, oh, look, we we love basketball. That's – and forget about the murder of the journalist. We love basketball. We love soccer. We love – and you're you're helping them do that. You know what I mean? You're helping them put you're helping them paint over these 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 violations, these these crimes that they've committed. And this idea of sports can bring us all together. Sports has been around for a long time and we ain't together. OK, can we get away from this delusional notion that basketball is going to change the world? Can we stop that? I think. Uh, war stops every two years. For oh, the man. Olympics, hey, could, it, Yao, Yao Ming's going to play in the league. It's going to change everything. Can we just stop it? Cut it out, please. Who is Baby Gronk? And why is he so controversial? We didn't miss it. See? See? See right there. You see it? I think it. We just chose not to tell you. Well, we're ready now. It's how did we not get into it? Get into it. How did we not get into it? How do we not get into Baby Gronk, Rami, this week? Who? Up until this point, of course, because we're going to get into it now. Uh, Baby Gronk has been all over the place this week. And uh, there was a story written about Baby Gronk by Ari Wasserman of The Athletic. Here's an excerpt. Jake San Miguel's kid is Baby Gronk. For those who are unaware, Baby Gronk is a social media sensation with more than 315,000 followers. He is a 10-year-old who is supposedly the next big thing in college football recruiting. Yes, I said 10 years old. He's considerably bigger and weighs more than most kids his age and uses his large frame to dominate his competition, leading his followers to believe college football programs are already interested in seriously recruiting him. If you look through his social media page, you'll see Baby Gronk, real name Madden San Miguel. Yes, his, his first name is Madden. That can't be. The kid's name is Madden? Yeah, that can't be a coincidence. Uh, Posing with celebrities and partaking in photo shoots at Power 5 football programs. His father, Jake, told The Athletic, quote, I've had a plan for my son since before he was born. It's playing out now, unquote. 
And there were a couple of other quotes and comments from his father throughout this story. Uh, Here's another one. Everything we do for content is on purpose. Everything is planned out. Just being a creator and being an influencer. And I think this next comment is the one that got the most attention from Baby Gronk's dad. We put five or six days a week of training. He diets. He eats clean foods, salmon and brown rice. He is in a routine. He's a real athlete. He's not a normal kid. Normal kids are emotional. They put their head down when they make mistakes, talk back to the coaches. They make noises, but he doesn't do that. He has been trained and programmed since he was six years old. Programmed. Programmed. I hate this story, Nick. I couldn't even get – I. St- I saw the baby Gronk stuff on Twitter, and I didn't know what was. I I didn't know what was going on. I'm I'm pretty t- Twitter fluent. You know what I mean? Like I keep up. I'm always clicking on what's trending and everything yeah. else. I saw that story, and I was like, I don't I don't know what's going on here. And I was totally fine not knowing what's going on here. And then I saw that story at the Athletic, the one you were just reading from, and I clicked on it, and I couldn't even get as far into it as you read. Before I got grossed out. And I don't know this man, this baby Gronk's father. I feel weird even using that nickname for this child. But it sure seems to me like uh, like this is his dream. That when he says, I've had a plan for my kid since before he was born. And he's programmed. And you got him on a diet. And he's training like he's a professional athlete. And then, and then all the stuff with planning these visits to to college campuses when he's 10 years old and painting it as though they're real visits, even though they're just connections. He has connections with people and he gets his kid on campus for photo ops to put on social media. The whole thing feels really exploitative to me. Again, I don't know the man. I, I, I could be wrong and maybe he's leading his kid right down the right path to the NFL and a great life, but the whole thing feels slimy to me nick the way the way that that it comes off both on social media and the little bit that i've seen and what i what i read in that article i i don't feel great about this whole situation and 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 that kid not getting to be a kid you i'm know going to mean? have a uh, controversial opinion on this controversial story which is what i think the father is trying to do the right thing but i think he's doing it the wrong way when you when you read all of his comments, when you read all, because a lot of people again, they're all paying attention to the to the comment that I gave you about being programmed. But when you read everything he has to say, he also says in there, for example, look, there's no guarantee he gets to the NFL. It's really difficult to get into the NFL. And I, I played high school football, and I got an injury, and I was done. The father that explains a lot. The father says multiple times in the story, though, that this is about business opportunity that he sees for his son. And the idea that, hey, he's he's making money right now and they're putting it into a savings account. And the way the father looks at it, again, I'm not telling you this is the way to do it. I think he I think his intention is 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 good as a dad because he's looking at this as I'm making money for my son. He's going to be taken care of before he even gets out of high school. I am giving him a safety net financially. And, and he keeps talking about that, like saying, you know, this is going to go into his college scholarship because if he's not an athlete, if he, if he doesn't continue to grow and develop and he doesn't become that person, then at least he'll have a safety net financially that he has built upon through social media because that's a vehicle now that younger people can make money off of. So I think this is more a business venture. His dad sees it as almost like 
an, an opportunity to make money for his son at a very young age so he doesn't have to worry about certain things as he gets older. But again, I think it's the wrong way of doing it. You know, putting your son on a diet and working him out five to six days a week and treating him remember, like he's a machine at six years old is not healthy. Remember Todd Marinovich? Remember the Todd Marinovich yeah. story whose yeah. dad, for those who don't know, basically programmed him to be the next great quarterback from the day he was born. Very similar to this when you yep. talk about yep. the constant tra- training like a pro from the time you're literally a child to the diets to everything to the publicity. You didn't have social media back then, but you had you know Sports Illustrated and newspapers writing up stories on on this kid. And then he got to the NFL, and I'm I'm probably telling a lot of people around here a story they already know because he ended up with the Raiders and completely flamed out and not just on the field he had a rough time off the field if i remember correctly he was he ended up being a redemption story became a surfer got sober the whole thing and and went on to to live a decent life but that that upbringing kind of broke him man yeah you, you know what i mean and that's so, what and that's what i think too is you know again that's why it's the wrong way to me i think his dad has good intentions but he's going about it the wrong way and, and i think his dad is not appreciating the damage that he could be causing to his son later in life because of how he's handling him since he was six years old. Mm-hmm. I think the dad is completely unaware of the damage that this could cause. I think he's tunnel visioned into making his son as much money as possible in the best, you know, the easiest way almost as possible so he can be taken care of so he doesn't have anything to worry about. But he's he's kind of missing. It's weird because he's thinking big picture financially, but I think he's missing big picture mental health and what this can do to this child. And, you know, what happens if what happens if the child doesn't succeed? You know, that could destroy and devastate this young kid. And I don't think he's thinking of that. I think he's thinking of like, hey, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But he's going to have a million dollars in the bag. Yeah, because he says in the story, he's, you know, baby Gronk is making like one hundred thousand dollars a year. So. You know, his whole point is by the time he gets to high school, if this continues to go the way it's gone in this trajectory financially, my son's going to be a millionaire by the time he's like 16. So he's he's kind of thinking of getting him set for success financially for later in life, but he's not paying attention to the other things like mental health and, you know, the physical, the physical wear and tear that he's putting on this kid at 10 years old. We do have to say, and this feels weird to say, there are success stories of parents like this. I know a lot of us laughed at LeVar Ball and said the same things about him. When Tiger he first, Woods. Tiger Woods. But when when that, when the balls first came on the scene, yep. everybody, everybody was like, man, this guy is exploiting his kids and, and everything else. And so far, so good. Not just on the court, but but off the court. You know what I mean? There was the LaMelo Ball thing with the car. Remember? There was like a highlight reel of him running red lights and speeding out of the Hornets parking lot. A highlight reel. <laughs> but other than that, like, no off-the-court stuff. They seem to have it together. LaMelo is doing great. Lonzo is doing great. I don't know where LiAngelo is. I don't know. What, I'm sure he's playing professionally somewhere and, and cashing a check. I don't know what, big, what happened to Big Baller brand, but all in all, like... You got to say, LeVar Ball raised two NBA, solid NBA players at worst, and by all indications, decent human beings when you, when you look at those kids. And the father, one more thing about this. The father in the story does say, like, this isn't our reality. Like, what you see on social media, what we're putting out there is not the reality of the situation. And he detaches what real life is to what you see out there 
saying he's pretty much just built a brand. But at home, it's much more level-headed. I guess the father works in, like, IT. And he's just like a regular guy who kind of who knows people because he was in high school sports and all that stuff. But he makes the point several times in this story of saying, look, don't don't take this like brand as who we are. This is not the reality of the life that I mean, we live back at home. So, again, I don't think the father's a bad guy. I don't think he's trying to do things for bad reasons. I just think it's. This this could backfire tremendously, and I don't know if he's done all that math. Feels weird to me talking about building a brand around a ten year old, but there are child actors out there. There are child pop stars. Yep. you know what I mean. So, I, I don't I don't know, man. Like I said, it felt slimy to me, but I'm not I'm not there. I'm not in their house. I don't know how this whole thing runs. You know, I don't know how the kid feels about it or if he's been damaged by it. I just know it feels slimy to me with the the little bit that that the little insight that I that I have on it based on what I've read. All right, coming up, it's time to play buy or sell for the Kings. Cattles and Robbie. Sacktown Sports.